Greetings everybody. It's a great blessing for me to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ. Today's message is going to be about Jesus, our high priest. I'm continuing to talk about uh, what we spoke about last week, that he, the, the son of God, the second person in the Godhead, became human. He came into our weakness. He entered our weakness. He knew what it was to not just command angels, but to have to ask the father to bring angels to deliver him. It was, uh, he was submitted to the father. He was in the place where he had to obey. Uh, and then in that obedience, the Father would give unto him and bless him and so forth, just like normal human beings. And we're going to talk, and last week we talked about the compassion that Jesus Christ has on us, that he feels with us, he knows what we are going through, and that he has entered into a place where he can aid us, where he can truly help us. Now, I'm also going to have a, a part in this message where I'm going to just speak out straight and correct or bring some form of a correction and just a warning i would just say a warning uh, to some of the people and um, i've said i've given this warning many times but i just feel that i'm going to give it again and just point you to jesus christ we know that no correction is pleasurable it's clear in the scriptures no correction is pleasurable uh, the correction that comes in jesus christ or the the big word is chastisement we're so scared if we hear about that word because we think of being beaten when we look at chastisement in hebrews it just simply talks about being corrected to believe the good news of jesus that's all it is imagine somebody living in the time of jesus and then jesus died he was raised but this person he knew that there was this guy jesus and then he heard nah he doesn't know if the body was stolen or what happened and so forth and then uh, maybe 10 years later uh, his wife is uh, caught in adultery but he he loves her and ah, it was a, a big thing you know they caught her and she slept maybe with many men or something and they decided to stone her uh, and now she gets stoned and she dies and then a week later you see this outreach or where people are preaching in the synagogue and you go and you listen to it and you realize that this Jesus Christ that died uh, it's, there's actually a new kingdom and this whole thing about the law has passed away and she didn't need to be stoned. Uh, do you think it would be easy to have a correction in your mind and in your belief as pertaining to telling you, no, we are finished with the stoning business. We are fin finished with the law. We are finished with sacrifices. We are finished with all those kind of things. Those are customs of Moses, but they were just types and shadows of the substance and the substance is Jesus. It might be that that person either grabs it with everything inside him or say, no way, this is too painful. This correction is too painful. Now, when the Bible talks about uh, correction or chastisement, it's simply uh, what the scripture says, that chastisement for our peace was upon him. That which had to take place in order for us to believe the truth, to be chastised in our belief, uh, was upon him. The responsibility was upon Jesus to get us to believe the truth about the Father. That's what it was all about. Chastisement in the New Testament uh, is about correcting your belief. In Hebrews, we read about the chastisement that's not pleasurable. And in the Hebrew sense here, on the writings of, uh, to, the, to the Hebrew people, it was all about telling them that, listen, man, 
you always found your identity in the fact that Abraham is your father, that you are Jews and that you have the oracles of God and all those kind of things. But I want to just tell you the good news. Now, listen to this as if it would be good news to the Jews. You were the people of God. You were the elect. You were, the, you were different than the others. You were uh, the, the Israel. You were the light upon uh, a city upon a hill. You were the salt of the earth and all those kind of things. But we just want to say that you are not special anymore because you are descendants of Abraham. That covenant is now finished. It was actually a type and a shadow of something else that was to come. That has come. And the Messiah is not the Messiah of the Jews anymore. It is actually the Messiah of all people. And that true salvation is not defined in God delivering Jews from exile in the sense of delivering you from Romans, Rome's oppression. Uh, but what it actually is, is salvation from sin and death and that you can now have eternal life and be bodily raised from the dead and have the fruit of the Spirit as all the Gentiles will have. You are all the same now. That's difficult for them. Difficult to believe. Difficult. Painful. So the good news is also a correction of, is, is a correction of what people have been used to for many years. So I might say some things that some of you might feel um, that ah, this is not what I want to hear, but please uh, stick with me. Now let's go to Acts 17, and I'm going to read from verse 1. This is Paul now, and he's going to a Jewish synagogue, and this is in Thessalonica. Listen to what happens here. When Paul and his companions passed through Amphipolis and into Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where, they, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and be raised from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaiming to you, is the Messiah, he said. So he said two things. He said that the Messiah had to suffer and be raised from the dead. Now, the Jews never thought that they were in need of a dying Messiah. They never thought that their leader would be somebody that would, be, would have to die, be raised from the dead physically, then leave the physical realm that they can see, the realm where things are seen, go into the heavens and then as a man sit at the right hand of God from where he would govern. They, and that governance would then be over mortality, bring eternal life to, like I've just said, to all people, whosoever would believe. I mean, they never thought of that. They never saw the need of a Messiah that would die. They saw the need of a political leader that would stand up, deliver them from Rome, Make sure that they could follow the customs of Moses. Make sure that all the orders and priestly orders in the temple is going as it was supposed to go. So that that which God has promised Israel can be fulfilled and that they can live as God's people in this world. They would then be an example for other people groups. And as they are an example for other people groups, they from, their, uh, from, from Israel as a nation would be a light to other people. That is what they thought. 
They never thought that the Messiah had to suffer and die. The disciples didn't even know that. Jesus, after his resurrection, opened the scriptures to them, uh, to the people on the way to Emmaus, explaining to them that the Messiah had to die. That is what, what, what the issue is, and that he had to be raised from the dead. Now, the Messiah had to die according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures, the Messiah had to go through death and be raised from the dead. But the reason why the scriptures would say that was because of the necessity uh, that the, the necessity of a resurrection or the necessity of the conquering of death. And let me explain that. The reason why a Messiah that conquers death is needed is because people are dying. It's because the problem in the earth is dying man. Man is mortal. Man is subject to death. Man is going through very difficult time. Man is at a place where he needs somebody that can conquer sin in the flesh, that can bring who God is to them. And that's what we're going to talk about today when we talk about intercession. So they were not in need of another leader. They were not in need of anything that, um, that had to be done uh, by some leader there. They didn't need a Messiah for Israel as what they thought they needed something else many times we are at a place as what they were thinking that we need a specific uh, deliverance wherein we will experience the freedom of God we need to understand that for these Jews it was definitely not easy to hear that Jesus is the Messiah, that salvation is salvation from sin and death, that the kingdom of God is all of a sudden not uh, something that's going to manifest in the physical around Israel and their political situation and all those kind of things. But the kingdom of God was all of a sudden something that happens inside you, righteousness and peace and joy that is there because of the Holy Spirit that is brought forth in you. It was not difficult, uh, it was difficult for them as what it would be for some of us to realize that righteousness is never something that we can legislate. It is something that is through the Holy Spirit and happens inside people. That's the only way righteousness can come forth. Otherwise, it is simply the old laws, the old way of doing things. It's external laws that is enforced on the flesh and it doesn't produce life. This is what these people were busy with. Paul comes and he says, I want to say that there's two things that we, two things or one thing basically that's needed. We need a Messiah that would die and be raised from the dead because man's problem is death. Have you ever heard an evangelist going around and in his first three messages, he declares and he preaches that the problem of humanity is mortality and that the person or anyone that can help you or save you has to be somebody that was raised from the dead, that entered your weakness and was raised from the dead and that he is now a ruler over sin and death and that you can have the hope of immortality i've i tell you i've traveled the world i've listened to many evangelists i've listened to many preachers but i have not heard ever heard 
a preacher going to a people group in Africa, people that has never heard the gospel, and preach to them and tell them the problem is that you are mortal and that you are dying, and the solution is somebody that is therefore raised from the dead. I've heard that Jesus was raised from the dead and that you can have eternal life. Yes, I've heard it many times. I've heard that he can forgive your sins. I've heard that he's not angry with you. I've heard that he's punished Jesus so that you can go to heaven. I've heard all those things. But preaching uh, the problem of humanity as death, it's not a common message. But here Paul comes and he preaches that and he says that the scriptures even say that such a person had to come, and that, that would be what, uh, that is what the Messiah would come and do. And then he goes as far, and then he continues, he says, I now found the Messiah. Back in those days, they were looking for Messiahs. They had this person, that person, they would look at the scriptures, look as if he can fulfill certain things, and then think, this one is the one that God can use to deliver us from Rome. He must be the Messiah. So many people were looking for Messiahs. They wanted the Messiah to come. Paul comes and says, I found him. The one that was bodily, that bodily died. He was in the grave for three days and he was raised from the dead. I found him. He is the one. And he, and what happened to him is in line with the scriptures. The problem is death. The problem is not Rome. And the kingdom of God is the rulership of Christ. As you believe upon him, the, you are part of his kingdom as he rules inside you. That is how it works. Now, I, I want to read something um, that I've, and this is maybe where, where it can get a bit difficult. Um, I want to read something that I've posted on Facebook. And some might switch off when you hear this, but I ask you to listen to the message. No political party can come to the aid of the kingdom of God. If you think it is possible, you are misled. No political party can ever aid the kingdom of God or come to its aid or help the kingdom of God. It is simply impossible. If you think it, you are simply misled. You might say, I don't think it like that and play mind games and try and reason around it. But let me tell you, if Paul would come, he would, he would put it this way. He would say, you don't need a, the, the, the political leader that you think must lead to come into power so that the kingdom of God's rule can be in your area. That's what the Jews thought. That is what the church is trapped in. We are... Uh, in, in November, we're having our elections here in South Africa, and we can see the campaigns are running and those kind of things, and we see what's happening in America and all over the world. So many times, Christians get caught in the trap that the Jews were caught in. They thought that the kingdom of God is going to be helped by the political system, or that it will come through the political system. It doesn't, that's not how the kingdom of God works. The moment we say we stand for righteousness and our definition of righteousness is not uh, peace and joy in an individual's heart and righteousness in an in individual's heart and life through the Holy Spirit that lives in that person, you've got a Jewish uh, 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 
kind of a law-based mindset on righteousness. Your definition of righteousness is what we call a fleshly, earthly uh, righteousness that's based on the flesh and the things of this world. And you've become worldly. And your mind, if you've been into the grace message and you're going that way, you are falling from the grace of God. What I mean by falling from the grace of God is not that there is not salvation. What I'm saying is, is that you are moving into a place where it is the efforts of man to gather people, to get votes, to stand and bring forth life and righteousness in a place by the ability of man to gather, stand up and uh, bring resistance. That is exactly what the, uh, the, the, the zealots believed in Jesus' time. We must provide a resistance. And this is about the kingdom of God and all those kind of things. And they were standing for righteousness. They were standing for what is right. But the kingdom of God, and this is what the scripture says. I want you to stick, stick with me and listen to this. No correction is pleasurable. But those who yield to it, those who listen to it, will have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Ask yourself, how much peace do you have when you look at what is going on in the news again? Do you have peace? Is the fruit that it produces, your way of thinking, of fighting against this, resisting, do you have peace? You don't have peace. You all the time... Conscious of the sins of others. You all the time judgmental on this is right, that is wrong, and all those kind of things. I'm not saying that one cannot say that is not right and so forth. But the moment we come as Christians and we say the kingdom of God is for us to put in a political resistance. For that's how the kingdom of God is coming. That's how we're aiding and protecting the kingdom of God. You are just simply in error. You are simply in error. The Bible says here, the kingdom of God is not in meat and in drink. In other words, in having these festivals and in, in, in what you must eat, what you must drink and so forth, and bringing it into today's day, is not in getting everything to go according to what we think is righteous as pertaining to all these laws. It says here, the kingdom of God is in righteousness and in peace and in joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in righteousness and in peace and in joy. Not, it does not say in righteousness and peace and in joy and stops there. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, we can legislate righteousness as much as what we like. We can get people to live right. We can get people not, you know, to honor others. We can get people to live according to our constitutions. But I want to tell you that is not a righteousness, a peace and a joy in the Holy Ghost. That is a righteousness and a peace and a joy in the constitution that is enforced by the police. It's got nothing to do with a renewed heart. The problem that there is in the world is that people need to get saved. They need to get born again. They need to get born from the Spirit of God. They need to, they need to have the first fruit of the new birth. They need the Holy Spirit. That is what they need. They need to believe upon the one that has died and was raised from the dead. That's what they need to believe. And I believe that the church, and not just me, the Apostle Paul, Jesus Christ, 
the apostles, the early church, their focus was on the spreading of the, or just the, the receiving of the love of God. And then from there, they spread the message as the love of God compelled them. That if one died, then all are dead. Therefore, we're preaching the resurrection, the new creation. And those who believe upon it, they are made new. And that is what's acceptable before God. Do you think it's acceptable before God for people to have a wonderful life in this world according to the laws of a country, but they don't have a one, that wonderful life is not born of God? You might say, but Bertie, shouldn't we then be involved in laws and making of laws and the lawmakers do all of that? But don't say that is, how, that is now the inauguration of the kingdom of God when you bring laws that are enforced on people by the police uh, and where you must do certain things and say that is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is from within. It is from the spirit of God that works in you to will and to do. You people then yielding to, listening to, and obeying the Spirit of God, where God brings forth fruit in people. That's how it works. You cannot legislate the fruit of the Spirit. You have to have the Spirit. So the kingdom of God is not in righteous laws. The kingdom of God is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit for ye that um, for he that in these things serve Christ is acceptable to God. For he that in these things serve Christ. So how can we, through laws and legislations and all those kind of things, think we are now part of the kingdom of God, want to take up arms and fight that way, thinking you are fighting for the kingdom of God. You're not fighting for the kingdom of God. You're fighting for your nation. And that I'm, I'm all fine with. Do that. Fight for your nation. Do what you do. Fight for your culture. Whatever you want to do, uh, glory to God. I'm a voter. I'll go and vote. No issue. No issue with that. We are, if we're in South Africa, I'll go and vote. If we're not here, I can't. But if I'm here, I'll vote. The thing is, we need to understand that we cannot aid the kingdom of heaven. Because Paul said, the Messiah, the one that helps, is not some leader. Many times we think what we need is just if this president can understand. If so, Ramaphosa in South Africa can simply fall in line and do this and do that and whatever. If he can just start to speak the truth. If this law can just be changed. If that law can just be changed. Then things are going to change. Then things are going to be better. You don't know what you need. Paul said what we need. God knows what we need. We need somebody that has conquered death. Then we need to believe in that person. That person then has to buy the power of the resurrection. Make intercession for us. Intercession means to bring heaven to us. And then in those that believe, the kingdom of God is manifesting in those. Around those, you'll find love and kindness and peace. And if they are lawmakers, they'll make good laws according to that. By which we will not find that people can govern a nation properly. The law, the Old Testament law, church, I'm, I'm just speaking straight out. The Old Testament law didn't have the power to save. 
Meaning, it didn't have the power to bring forth holiness in people. It didn't have the power to stop fornication. It didn't have the power to stop corruption. It didn't have the power of leaders ruling over others. It didn't have the power of the rich abusing the poor. It didn't have the power of the poor stealing from the rich. It didn't have the power to any of those things. But now we are so caught up as the church in these things. You are falling away from the message that God says it's by my power in you as a free gift, man. I continued in, the, in what I wrote there in the Facebook post. I said, if you stubbornly continue to believe that a political party can aid the kingdom of God in this world, you will find that you slowly but surely become more and more legalistic and your mind, um, as you mind the things of the world and not the things of God. Sadly, I found that many grace preachers are falling into this trap. So this is a call to repentance, to have your mind renewed. If you're a grace preacher and you're in all these kind of things, have your mind renewed. Get back to the gospel. Get your pulpit full of the gospel of Jesus Christ as well as your conversations with people. I'm not saying we can never talk about it. I also talk uh, about what's going on in the world. I also disagree with certain things. But the solution is not to try and change a certain law. The solution is a renewed heart, a new creation, people accepting Jesus Christ, understanding what intercession is, wherein Jesus is the intercessor, understanding that he knows our weakness, knowing what it is when Paul says that although we are poor, we're making other people rich. No Knowing what Paul says, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Knowing what Paul says, that we are laying down our lives for other people. Knowing that. So, when we look at the high priest, when we look at what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, we come to a place where we have to uh, conclude that the, unless the, the thing you think you need for change has conquered physical death. That it has no power. You have to come to that point. You have to come to the point we say. When you look at what do we need in our country. We need somebody that, has, that can enter our weakness. Conquer our weakness. Rise up to a place where he stands in all power. And from there rule over every individual's heart. And so bring in life from within. Life is not from the outside. It cannot be put on somebody. It is born from the heart. So the only way a nation is ever going to change. Is by people personally believing in Jesus. Getting saved. Knowing and understanding the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, I, I, I'm, listen, I might sound like foolish talking here, but let me tell you this. We so many times as the church want to say, the government this, the government that, they must this, they must that. But we cannot gather a hundred people without splitting the church four times, fighting with one another and one stealing money. And then the other one running away with the other one's wife. And then we, we want to stand as the church and say, we know. You know nothing, man. We need to get to a place where we understand the gospel of grace. 
Where we know the good news of Jesus Christ. Where our life can be born from what God has given us in Jesus Christ. Where we can stand at a place where we can behold the glory and the holiness of God. Where we have so much abundance of life inside us that we are not ashamed or feel afraid to give away life. To give others life. To be good to people. To be kind. To not be sin conscious all the time. Ask yourself the question. As you are listening to the news all the time. I'm, and, and I talk also from my own life. As you're listening to all these things. What's going on in the world. Are you not becoming more and more sin conscious? Oh this sin. This sin. That sin. Whatever. That's how the world works. That is a temptation. We can know about these things. I don't say we need to be ignorant in our minds that we don't know about these things. Put your uh, head in the sand and make as if you know nothing. I just want to tell you, as you know about these things, and your answer is not that people hear the gospel, that they are saved, knowing that the kingdom of God is an ever-advancing kingdom, that no government, nothing can ever add to us or subtract from us because we are part of an eternal kingdom be there communism be there whatever the kingdom of god is spreading it's like i think in spain somewhere like that ex uh, 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 mountain what what a volcano there's this volcano that is there the town is there the house is there everything but the lava is coming it's at a slow pace but it's just pushing and pushing and nobody can do anything the world the world all the technology all the power of all of america all of russia all of china everyone no human being no not all humans Together with every power they have, all technology, all life, even for those that take Elon Musk and put him up there, even Elon Musk that, 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 that believes in solipsism, him, even him, he cannot stop that lava flowing out of that thing, man. He cannot. There's nothing they can do. And that is how the kingdom of God is. It's an eternal kingdom that is pushing forward. Nothing can stop it. It flows through every communist country. It flows through everything and we are part of it. It is eternal life. It cannot die. We don't have to give up on simply preaching the gospel, loving those around us. That's that's it. We don't have to say, well, we're just putting the Bible under the bed for a while. And now we're just sorting out some stuff, making sure it's safe for the kingdom of God to get out of the closet again. And then come and, out from under the bed and then manifest when everything is peaceful. So we'll get everything peaceful so that the kingdom of God. That's error. That is error. Paul says here, he started his gospel with a message, the Messiah has to be the one. the one. The one that was raised from the dead, that suffered and died for the problem of humanity, is death. That is the problem. We, can, we should focus on Jesus Christ. We should focus on Jesus Christ. And I'm saying this especially to people in South Africa, with the, uh, the, the, the running up to the... Uh, elections as well as the people in america having your midterms i think in a uh, 18 months already people already getting up all of that my goodness man focus on the gospel focus on jesus christ focus on the love of god 
I cannot tell you how many people send me things every day of what this one has done, that one has done, that one has done. I want to tell you, every one of you that sent me that thing, I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. You're needing the gospel. You need to put your eyes on Jesus Christ. You need to put your eyes on the finished work of Christ. You need to put your eyes on what he has done. I'm not saying that you can never share anything with anybody. But if that is your mission, that's all you do all day. Uh, help somebody with the gospel, please. What people need is not for the government to change. What they need is somebody that was raised from the dead to have knowledge about him, to know how he's applied in his life, how that pertains to me today. And as I believe it, I have life. Let's go to Hebrews 7. That's about more or less the rebuke that I, and the correction that I want to bring. So I hope it was not too painful. You know if you're part of it or not. The moment you say yes, but on this, you know you're dif this differing from it. So, um, and, and I want to say, I'm not even open for any change as pertaining to this doctrine and what I'm sharing to you. I'm not changing from it. doesn't help you tell me, listen, Bertie, I want to talk to you even about it. If you want to convince me of something else, I'm not even open to talk. This is what I'm giving you is the finished work of Jesus Christ. What I'm giving you is the love of God. What I'm giving you is getting your mind into, the, into what Christ has done. But Bertie, what if they do this? What if they do that? What if Christ was truly raised from the dead, man? What if he is seated at the right hand of the Father? What if the Holy Spirit in you and in people is greater than what this world can ever throw at us? What if the way God works is from within and not from without? What if the kingdom of God is eternal? What if his life is our life? What if, as the Bible says, creation groans and we co-groan with creation, waiting for God to manifest us as sons? What if it is not for us to manifest ourselves as sons now? What if we are part of a system right now, a kingdom system, God system, where we are not revealed as sons, but we are sons within. We are just looking like the world in the sense of we are mortal man. But there will come a day when God will reveal us as the sons of God, what if the way wherein God does things is that he's spreading the gospel through a broken world and he's not trying to fix the world right now by the gospel, but he's bringing the gospel as a seed to people's heart and that when they believe upon it, they will partake of the resurrection of Jesus. What if it's working with us the way it worked with Jesus? He was a son, but he didn't look like a son. What, what about that? If he was a son, but he didn't look like a son, but was only manifested as a son when he was raised from the dead, shouldn't we then be busy with the things Jesus was busy with, expecting that the spirit that gave him life, that that same spirit is upon us, where we preach the gospel, share the gospel, love on people, be generous all the time? Glory to God. Hebrews 7.25, listen to this. Now, again, I just say this for the last time. I don't have to explain myself. I, I'm not doing this to explain myself. I'm just saying to you that you can know what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you cannot vote. I'm not saying that you cannot know any of these things. I'm not saying that you cannot send a message to somebody saying, you know what, this is what they are doing or something like that. 
What I am correcting is to think that what we do gives, the, gives a foothold for the kingdom of God in the world or keeps the country open for God. You cannot open a country for God. man. Neither can you close a country for God. Who do we think we are? <laughs> Don't we realize that we are but mere mortals in our own ability and in our power? Go, please go and read Ecclesiastes. Read through the whole thing. You'll realize that all the efforts of man has been and will be. It is something that just flows. The only, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun except for one thing, which happened when he was not there. It happened after his time. There was a man raised from the dead, never to die, seated at the right hand of God. So everything else is declared by Solomon as vanity except one thing. And that is the resurrected Christ. And according to Solomon back then, contentment, glory to God. But this doesn't sound like a very good news message. I've preached the gospel of grace for many years, uh, for 20 years. You know all the gospel messages that I've preached. And now we're just talking about the application of that message. It is not by power or by might, but by the Spirit of God. That's how it works. Verse 25, therefore, he is able. This is now Jesus. Now let's, let's read from verse 23. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priest. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. What do we need in South Africa? What do you need in Europe? What do you need in Russia? What do you need in South Korea? What do you need in China where you're watching this message? What do you need? You, this is what it says, we need a high priest that lives forever to make intercession for us. That word intercession. I want to read it to you. Hebrews. This is powerful word. It's, it's absolutely life changing word. The, the, the truth about this. That word intercession. It means to light upon a person or a thing, to fall in with, to hit upon a person or a person or a thing. It comes from two words. The one word is in or upon, and then the other one means to hit the mark of one discharging a javelin or an arrow to reach, to attain, to obtain, to get, to become, to happen. To bring forth, to be. So what it means here is, intercession means it is somebody who can take you and see that God's goal is attained in your life. That's intercession. So if you're looking at what God, what's God's goal in your life, the way it's going to happen is through a high priest that can take you and bring this unto you. 
the Bible talks about this high priest as the one that forgives our sins. The forgiveness of sin would be to take away from your life what's not supposed to be there and bring what God wants in your life to you. What humans need to have that take place is a man that was raised from the dead and give life unto them. That is what is needed. Let me read it again. Wherefore he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him. By him seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. He ever lives to make intercession for them. Making intercession is God is over here. Eternal life is over here. Man is here. Mortality is here. Intercession would mean to... To see what God's goal is with people, which is eternal life, and then be the one that reconciles man unto who and what God is. So we are reconciled unto eternal life. We, eternal life is brought to us and manifested in us. The way we see change in a nation is not from the, 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 um, from the government. It is from the Spirit of God in the hearts of people who believe the gospel. But Bertie, I can hear people already say, but Bertie, you know, that is true. But if they tomorrow declare Christianity is illegal, then that cannot take place. Error in your thinking. Let me tell you, if it's illegal tomorrow, do you think Christianity is going to stop? No. No, it's to make Christianity illegal and to think it's going to stop. It's like to make a, making a law in Spain saying unto the lava that's coming, we're making a law, our government now declares that thou shalt not further. Do you think that that law can stop the lava? So, if you are saying, well, we just want to do these things because it is comfortable for us to live in our culture the way we used to live. We want our freedoms that we always have. That's fine. But don't call it the, and, and get the church to get involved in wars. Calling it the name of Jesus. Because that's blasphemy. It's against the way. I don't see Paul do that. I don't see the church do that. And I find the, the lovely grace preacher so beautifully run back to the Old Testament laws and all those kind of things. And then they want to use those things in their application of having uh, Christianity basically advance through government. All of a sudden, all the new wonderful principles of grace is not working anymore. Seeking life by the flesh. That's not how it works. I've got good news for you. What you need is a man that was raised from the dead. And I've got good news for you. He was raised. I've got good news for you. He's not a sin conscious God as in conscious of what you do wrong every day. He's a God that loves you. That's why he extends a correction. That's why he extends a rebuke. So Bertie, are you saying God, God, is, God has sent you? I'm not saying God has sent me. I'm just telling you what I see in the scriptures and I'm preaching it. That's what I'm doing. And let us grab this good news, man. Let's talk about the forgiveness of sins. The Bible says, and I want to end off, I'm going to, I have to end off with this. I've just already, I didn't even get into the second scripture of what I wanted to preach. But let us, um, we, we, can, we can just simply go to one or two other scriptures. Let me just do one or two. I'm going to do just John 1. John 1. 
And let's end off. This will be a beautiful one to end it off with. John 1.29 Imagine making a law, telling the lava, you shall stop here. No, but we want to, we cannot stop the lava, man. If, if a government, if no government in the world, if all the power of the world put together, cannot stop one volcano from flowing, they cannot stop it. How do you think will you stop what God's doing? The almighty, eternal God. If mortals cannot even stop a mortal volcano, how do you think will we ever stop what the immortal God is doing? The only thing that's happening is, is that we are getting tricked in our minds with games. It's games. That's all it is. It's this theory, it's that, it's whatever, and we get bogged down with the things of the world instead of knowing the love and the kindness and the goodness of God where there is a hatred that is developing between people, where people groups are hating one another to the point that they're not even seeing. They first see what that person's political stand is before they're even thinking of the gospel and the love of God. Our minds are not flooded. So many people, I see the mind flooded with, with so many things. You might say, but Berti, how, how can you judge what another person has in his mind? The Bible says what the heart is full of flows out of the mouth. <laughs> so I'm just looking at what's coming out of the mouth. John 1.29 The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. An intercessor, the word intercede means to hit the mark, to hit the goal. Sin means to miss the mark. Intercession means to bring life. Sin means not to share in life. So the intercessor will bring life. Do we want life in a country? The only way the life is going to be there is through the life giver giving life to the individual as he hears and believes the gospel. The other day I was listening to a man, I've got great respect for him, He's, he preaches a very powerful message of grace. And then I saw that he was now busy with a, a political thing. And I listened to the, the way he's reasoning and I realized what he preaches here is grace. But the way he applies the grace when it comes to politics, the man's in the law, needs the gospel. He, and this thing is, uh, gets our minds so veiled because by the reading of the law, our minds are veiled. That's what it is. The more we say they've done this wrong, they should have done this. This is right, this is wrong. We back into the law and what it does is it veils us and we start to see less and less of the grace message and our logic becomes legalistic. And we, what, what happens when we become legalistic? Sin is reviving. Thoughts of hatred, thoughts of bitterness, thoughts of resentment, thoughts of unforgiveness, thoughts of evil, thoughts of all those things start to get into you and you're not experiencing the life of God. If you're honest with yourself, you'll know what this, that I'm talking the truth here. The next day, 
John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look at the lamb that God provides. Look at what God does. He'll take away sin. The kingdom of God is like yeast. Or the kingdom of God is like a small tree that looks like nothing, but it becomes the biggest. So I want to tell you, in the light of everything that's going on in the world, save yourself from another spree of, oh, this one, oh, that one. Say again, I also live in this world. Not that I'm saying, well, these things are wrong and those kind of things that you cannot know, like you completely, com completely switched your mind off, that you've got no knowledge of anything. We know what is going on, but we know what brings the change. It is simply knowing that Jesus loves you, having a message that resonates in the heart. Because God, I tell you now, God, when, he, when you think of your enemy, when we think of people that want to oppress us, what do you think is God's answer for that person? What is his answer for that person? His answer for that person, do you think it would be to enforce some law on him? No. Would there be laws in the country? Yeah. But you, but, but Jesus' involvement. Was Jesus involved in Rome and how they were doing things there as pertaining to physically trying to get in there somewhere? No. One would look at Jesus and one would think, Jesus, you could have done this much better. You should just have gone and performed miracles in front of Caesar, saved Caesar, and if Caesar is saved, then he can legislate Christianity and make it legal and then tell people, thou shalt not persecute the church, and then things would have been much better. But that is not the way Jesus did it. Because his kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is great in this world. The spirit transcends all things. And he speaks to the hearts of people and brings life. So let us take the gospel of grace. Let us take the good news of Jesus to people. Let us have that as the source from where we live. The gospel. Identify with Christ. Identify with Christ. Can't we be patriots, if you want to call it like that, as pertaining to Christ and not the systems of this world? You can be, and, and, and I, I want to say, you can be, this is what people call Jewish Christians. They call them Messianic Christian or a Jewish Christian. Then we've moved on and we've become South African Christian, American Christian. If you are a Messianic Jew, it means that these things cannot be separated from one another. Oh, but I cannot separate my nationality with my Christianity. It cannot be separated. I want to tell you something. In Christ, in Christ there's new creation. There's a new creation. And that is what has come to give to you. You know, there's peace for you. You don't have to live in the turmoil of this world. You don't have to live from the fears of what if they do this, what if they do that. Just heard somebody say, unbelievable, that the world's going to end because they're going to put, um, they're going to change the DNA of people. And once the DNA of people has changed, then everything is going to fall apart and we're going to die. 
seems to me to be afraid of death. Let me tell you something. There's a big adjustment that's coming to your DNA anyway. It's the resurrected Christ, man. It's changing your life. But Bertie, we're going to die. <laughs> what about the empty grave? What about the empty grave? I want to ask you, Lena, can you just put on this camera? I want to show this painting here. Can you do that? Camera one, I think. Is it fine? Okay, I want to show you this painting. Somebody made me this painting. I love, I just absolutely love this, uh, this painting. Um, it is called Checkmate. Now, obviously, people's tastes differ, but to me, this is just so beautiful. It was given to me as a gift. If you see on this painting, you'll see that it is, it's got a checkboard on the side and on, over there. It's like the painting is laid on a check, checkboard. It's also called, this painting's called Checkmate. Because it talks about God's checkmate on the devil and death and the systems of this world. Now, if you look carefully, I hope you can see it on the camera. If you're watching on YouTube, there's a setting there, a little wheel on the settings. Just put it on HD, 1080p, that you can get the full quality there. So you find the check, checkboard here. It's the checkmate. This is Jesus, picture of Jesus before his crucifixion, the crown of thorns and all of that. Then you'll see over here is like a white dot. That white dot there is the painter, the artist, uh, over there painted the grave cloths. And it's like a dark ring around it. Now, when she painted this, she painted Jesus, the checkmate. She felt that this speaks of life. It was part of a series of other paintings as well. Um, and then this speaks of life. And then this speaks of the resurrection of Jesus, the, the grave clothes. When I first saw the painting and she sent me a picture of the painting, I stood and I looked at it and I said, my goodness, I answered her back. I said, I love the way that you depicted death as that it died. And she didn't really know what I was talking about, but I saw something else in the picture that she didn't see. Um, and I want you to just look at this. You'll see here the grave cloths, a mouth. Then here you'll see like a nose. And this dark spot here is like an eye, and this is the other eye, and like a head over there. And what we find is, I hope you can see that, it's a picture of death, like this gray death. And the grave was opened, the mouth of death was opened, and all that death has got to say is that I cannot keep you, I, because I could not keep him. So I want to say to you, as what you look at the checkmate, Jesus Christ died, he rose again, and death has got only one message. And that is that I will never be able to hold you. I will never be able to keep you. That's the message. So when we get to this, when we look at this, I want to tell you, church, we need to wake up, man. Yeah, but Bertie, uh, you, you know what they're going to do. They're going to do this. We're going to die.
Go and ask death. Go and ask death. What has God to say? And then you go to Jerusalem and you go to the grave and you look at what death can say. The only thing death can say is to preach the gospel. So whenever you hear messages of death, there's a gospel for you. Elena, do we still have those pictures on there? Can you still share those pictures? Okay. Um, put on the first one with a grave. Is it on? Okay. So you will see there, there's a pic the picture that shows is the grave. This is Mary at the grave, a painting with the two angels, and then the place where Jesus laid. And uh, it talks about the covenant of God. It talks about the life of God. Now, put on the other picture there, please, Elena. Doesn't that look like the grave? Two angels on each side, the place where God would appear, the place where God would speak to us. So, the covenant that God has made with you is in the empty grave, man. It is in the resurrected Christ. Glory to God. Our covenant is not, you know, uh, you know what about you know, this leader, that leader, whatever. Don't invest where thieves can break in and steal. Where moth and rust corrupts. If they can steal something, it's not the kingdom of God. If an election can be stolen, don't invest in it. If something can be stolen, if it can be tricked by technology, I want to tell you, it's too mortal and too weak to invest in it. To, to give it too much thought. To let your world go to pieces because of it. There's an empty grave, man. But Bertie, these things, if they steal this, if they do this, if they do that. What about the empty grave? Look at that. What about the empty grave? What about death that has no voice? What about death that has died? In Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness. I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you for the passion that you put within us. Lord, I'm thinking of you going through the temple and overthrowing all those things there. Which were the, the teachings of religion. And you overthrew it. And you said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Where people can commune with the Father. And thank you, Lord, that we can clean the temple. We can see how you've cleansed the temple. And we can declare how you have cleansed it. We're not cleaning it. We declare how you have cleansed the temple from all these systems of the world. And trying to fix out these systems and whatever. Thank you, Father. Thank you that when we enter into what you've done, the eternal life, that is the house of God, eternal life. When we enter into that, it is politics free. It is stress free. It is financial oppression free. It's poverty free. It's riches free. It's money free. It is flooded with eternal life. And that's what you've given us. I declare every person blessed. I declare your kingdom, Lord. 
I pray. I said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we, get our, we eat our daily bread, meaning the joy that you give us today through the knowledge and the Spirit of God. Thank you that we groan, but the Spirit makes intercession. The Spirit brings the life we need today. Thank you, Lord. I declare everybody blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll see you again next week. God bless.